If it wasn't for Real Madrid, Liverpool's trophy haul under Jurgen Klopp could have been even more impressive. Los Blancos beat the Reds in the 2018 and 2022 finals and they dumped the Merseyside Giants out in 2021. Can Liverpool take a measure of revenge this year or will the Spanish champions crush their dreams once again? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Thrilled to have a top-tipping team with me once again, starting with Mark O'Hare, who's dragged himself away from his Best of Scottish League 2 DVD to talk to us today. Mark, Liverpool are the favourites at Anfield at around about 2.38 on the exchange, but it is fair to say neither team's really been in its best this season. Yeah, that's very fair to say. Um, I think if we spoke probably a fortnight ago, um, we'd probably be leaning a lot more towards Real Madrid. Um, but Liverpool's kind of return to, to form, if you like, evens things up a little bit. Um, terrific game, obviously, from a neutral perspective. But I think from a punting perspective, it, it's tricky. Um, I think first and foremost, you probably need to mention the, the Anfield factor, which sounds like a bit of a cliche, but we have seen in the past how influential it can be and you know, it probably is deserving of Liverpool getting an extra little something in terms of home advantage in these sorts of situations. Um, obviously, the returning players have made a, a bit of an impact too. Van Dijk and Jota as well off the bench. Firmino back in the squad. We expect Darwin Nunes to be OK as well. So Liverpool look a lot healthier than they did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I mentioned those results. Winning and keeping back-to-back clean sheets is almost unheard of for Liverpool so far this season, particularly away from home. Um, but um, obviously it will give them a huge amount of confidence, mentality, belief. But I think uh, Jurgen Klopp was was quite um, was quite right really at the weekend. He was asked basically Liverpool coming back to their back back to their best yet, and he said you know sort of urged a bit of caution there because um, certainly I felt the Everton win was slightly overvalued in some quarters, and even against Newcastle they scored two terrific goals, um, but they came under loads of pressure with with ten men and with eleven men, and Allison was again very crucial to to that victory too. So. I too am a little bit cautious about getting ahead of myself with Liverpool in terms of a revival or rejuvenation. We do know that with their best 11 or close to their best 11 out at Anfield, they are more than capable of beating anyone, as we've seen already this season. But um, yeah, Real Madrid not exactly purring themselves. Winning in Pamplona against Osasuna at the weekend was was a, a big positive. They're always a, a sort of tough place to go, if you like. Um, stereotype in Spanish football, but without Benzema as well, big plus. Benzema is due back. Um, Tony Cruz isn't. Shumeni is missing. Uh, Camavinga should come into midfield. Um, Ceballos will probably be playing in midfield as well. He's been one of Madrid's most consistent performers this season. Uh, Arsenal fans might be surprised to learn. But um, yeah, and obviously you've got Vinicius, Rodrigo playing well as well. The experience of Modric. And I think most importantly too, a return for Thibaut Courtois recently as well. And he's been a, a colossus between the sticks as well. So yeah, I just wonder whether you know we see something similar to what we saw last week in the first legs. Um, with two kind of exceptional Shot stoppers in goal, uh, two teams not exactly purring, a, a massive European night, two-legged tie, first-leg fixture. You know, I wouldn't be rushing to back a high goal line in this fixture. And I was quite surprised to see the goal line set at three, which means if you took the unders, um, 
you require four goals or more for the bet to lose. But obviously, that's not going to be a fun wager to cheer on uh, at all because there is a lot of attacking talent on show from both teams as well. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like the unders could, could come in. You know, all four first leg ties last week went under. None saw both teams scoring either. Um, but obviously, if you go unders, you kind of bring in the potential for a, for a draw here. And I think that is the bet, which actually stands out to me most, actually, at 3.7. You know, I couldn't really be backing Liverpool at the moment. Uh, Real Madrid, you can get them with a quarter-goal start, um, which looks probably the best out of the Asian handicap lines for me. Um, But yeah, I I guess I'm just wary of Liverpool at Anfield uh, and wary that Real Madrid haven't been at their best all season. But also, you know, determined not to oppose Madrid, considering what we've seen in previous campaigns when they've arrived kind of bang, banged up and bruised and, and kind of not playing particularly well domestically, but still managed to turn it on and pull off results when you least expect them to do. And that, that, still, that team is still you know, full of quality. Uh, Benzema, Vinicius, Rodrigo is a frightening front line. Modric, Fede Valverde's played himself back into form recently, scoring and shooting plenty from, from midfield too. So, yeah, I'm just very wary of Real Madrid kind of rising to the occasion, but also uh, kind of respect to Liverpool at Anfield too. So I've settled on the draw because I think the 3.7 is, is fair enough. You know, the market can't really split these two teams. Gives Real Madrid a very, very slight edge. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be very nip and tuck this midweek. The dashing doctor of data will see you now, Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal on call. Jake, Real Madrid are a bit of a nightmare for guys like you, aren't they? Because it's all about the intangibles. It's all about the experience, how streetwise they are. And that's quite a hard thing to quantify, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, when it comes to like the, actually putting that in a figure, it is really difficult. I'm sure Emma will have the same opinion on that. It is something that is... It does make our lives very difficult, but fortunately for me anyway here, um, I know you said about Real Madrid that the form has been a bit patchy of late, but the underlying numbers have been really good since the restart, um, which I think deserves to be highlighted. I mean, they played these eight games in the Liga. They've averaged 2.3 expected goals for and 0.84 expected goals against per game. So I know it's La Liga and you know people can view that how they want in terms of League, league strength, obviously the Premier League is probably a bit tougher than Liga, but to put up those kind of underlying numbers suggests that this is a team that are, you know, close to peaking, in my opinion, for the back half of the season. I know they've got a big gap to claw in the Liga, but there's every chance they could repeat um, uh, and, and win Champions League again. I, I, I agree with Mark. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, this one. Um, but what he said at the end there about the fact that the, the play on the Asians would be to get Real Madrid on side, that's exactly where I've gone with my bet, is to take Real Madrid plus a quarter. And part of that is due to the, the Real Madrid online numbers, which are very, very strong, very promising. And part of that is just to that, I don't believe this Liverpool are back hype. I really don't. Um, you know, the, against Everton, it was Everton, wasn't it? It was, you know, at, at Anfield, got a terrible record there. Um, I think everyone slightly overreacted a little bit to the Arsenal win that Everton had um, and the performance in which they put in. And, and you know, the chance of them replicating that kind of performance, a bigger pitch at Anfield, was always going to be slim. And then at the weekend, they started well against Newcastle, fair, but they were given such a helping hand. You know, Nick Pope gets sent off, the reduced to 10 men, and they were second best after that in terms of the expected goals. I know Newcastle were chasing, you've got to factor in the game That's state. That's game state though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but still, like, you think a team of Liverpool's calibre, they should lock down and be in control of the game. Like, they should not let Newcastle anywhere near their, their, their net, effectively. Um, especially, you know, in the back of Newcastle's minds, it must have been, we've got a cup final next week, we're playing with 10 men against Liverpool, let's not go mental and run ourselves ragged, you know? It could have been something, you know, the, the Liverpool of old is what I'm saying, would have killed the game and 
we would have seen them finish with an expected goals against of less than one, whereas it was nearly two in this one, which was, yeah, a little bit alarming for me. I'm still not trusting them defensively. I know they've got a few players coming back and they've got the Anfield factor, etc. But I, I think they're very opposable in this game at home. I think that at this moment in time, Real Madrid are the better team. It looks like their defence is rounding into shape as well after a wobble early season. Um, yeah, and they're, they're creating chances. And I honestly think that this this... This could be a game that Real Madrid go win 1-0 and in their classic kind of European fashion, grind out a result and, you know, not quite put the tie to bed because a narrow win wouldn't do that. But going taking a win back to the Bernabeu would pretty much get them there. Tipster and trader beyond compare, Emmett O'Keefe with us once again. Emmett, it's a really strange one, isn't it? Because I accept everything Jake says about, and, and I would never go against Real Madrid. You just don't in this competition. It's ridiculous. That run last season to win it is the most extraordinary I think I've ever seen at this level. Um, however, it's a strange one with them because I watched their, their game at Mallorca recently and they were truly dreadful. And I, I know Carlo Ancelotti rotated the team. I know there's a lot of talent, but there's just something slightly off. It's a hard one to put your finger on. Yeah, definitely. I think as uh, as Jake said, it, it, it's hard to quantify kind of teams that can kind of raise their level for the big days like we've seen at Real Madrid. Like I think, but the only thing is just, if this was Liverpool a season's past, I would have been confident that they could maybe press them high and kind of give a kind of a high energy approach that that, that would likely kind of see see them win out over two legs. Like obviously, as, as we know, I think last season, Real were second best in every knockout tie, second best against PSG, second best against Chelsea, second best against Man City, and even second best for long stretches against Liverpool in the final, won all those ties. But Liverpool aren't on the level of what those teams Liverpool, Real Madrid faced in knockout stages last season, as we've documented on the podcast a few times now. They like the it, it, it's a team with worse expected goals figures than Leicester and Southampton in the Premier League. I know like part part Virgil Van Dijk's missed a few of those games, but even when he's played, this doesn't look a solid defensive unit at all. And if you've worse expected goals than Leicester and Southampton, how do you really expect to keep out Vinicius and and uh, Benson on the counter attack? I just I just don't see it happening. I think even if Liverpool kind of dominate the game for the long stretches, I, I just think their I think their defense is their Achilles heel, and I I think there's probably a bit of value in Real to qualify around around one ninety around ninety one ninety one. I'd, I'd make it closer to maybe one point eight. I think. I think just I think like it's just it's hard to be enthusiastic about Liverpool. I guess you could say in recent weeks we've seen the forward line catch fire a bit. I think so. Mo Salah's kind of uh, kind of creative play in recent weeks has been really superb. Cody Gakpo is finding a bit of confidence, but I just the I, I just can't get past, past how bad their defence is, and and I just can't see them keeping out Real's attack over two legs. Um, if you're looking for something at a bigger price than kind of. Um, then Carrell's qualify. Edder Militao, I think, is worth the best to score. It, 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 he's 9 2 to have a shot on target and 12 to 1 to score anytime. Just Liverpool in recent weeks, we've seen Dan Byrne and James Tarkowski hit the woodwork from set pieces and Craig Dawson scored against the Wolves a few games ago as well. So I think there's, there's a clear vulnerability for Liverpool at set pieces. Militao scored three times for Real this season and uh, I think I think could easily go, go close. Now, we're making a few changes to our great daily offers here at Betfair. You now have to opt in to promotions to enjoy the rewards available on the Sportsbook and Exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in. There's a step-by-step -step guide on betting.betfair.com. 
Napoli. We all love Napoli. They continue to impress in Serie A. Took another step towards the Scudetto at the weekend. Jake, they've got Eintracht Frankfurt in Germany. I guess my first question to you is, could they win the entire thing? Um, it'll be tough, but they are playing at a level that suggests that they could. Um, you know, the, the, the underlying data is sensational from a Napoli perspective, both on the continent and domestically. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that we look at, isn't it, towards the back end of the season, how competitive are the leagues in terms of, you know, Man City, though, there's every chance they'll be battling for a Premier League title, so they can't afford to rest and rotate. I mean, Napoli, their streets clear at the minute. So they've got the opportunity, if they wanted to, later down the line, to really prioritise this competition, knowing that they've pretty much got the, you know, Serie A title wrapped up. And um, that could they've be They've got something... to protect Ossiemen and Kvadratskalia, haven't they? Because exactly, if either yeah. of those got injured, then it's, it's game over, really, isn't it? Exactly. And they have the opportunity to do that. Whereas, for example, Manchester City, Bayern Munich, they're in, you know, title races. They can't afford to rest and, and you know, rotate in the league in case they drop points. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that's a plus for Napoli. This is, a, in my opinion, I, I think Frankfurt, uh, they're improving, but this is a kind draw for Napoli in terms of, you know, I think we all expect them to get through. Um I think there's a bit of a gulf here between these two teams in terms of Napoli looking more like one of Europe's elite um, in, in the way in which they're playing, the flair in which they bring, the individual quality. Um, so, yeah, I was quite surprised to see we can back them at 2.2 to win the, the first leg. I thought that was a little bit big. I've gone a little bit shorter. And, and the reasons for that is because they are chance-creating monsters um, this season. They really are racking up unbelievable amounts of chances the Champions League, I know they, they only played six matches in the group stage, it seems like ages ago, but you know, they're, they're in there with what people expected to be quite a tough group with Liverpool, Ajax and Rangers. And they averaged 2.9 expected goals for per game in that tough group, which is just a staggering figure. Um, even away from home in those three away games, at, at what you would have to say are three tough grounds to visit. 2.6 expected goals uh, for per game. So they, they, they were just... Ajax, didn't they? Absolutely did, yeah. wiped the floor with yeah. them. And Rangers, which I guess everyone did in that group, didn't they? So, um, yeah, I, that's just, for me, it's just something that does need to be highlighted. And, and you've got a Frankfurt team that were in a fairly competitive group in the sense of, I, I think all of the teams in there were probably at a similar kind of level. There wasn't too much between them. Um, and they actually posted a negative expected goal difference throughout the six matches. So probably a bit fortunate to get through. Um, and yet, like, I just think this just price of the 2.2 is is really, really big. Um, I'm quite happy to back Napoli to get uh, a first leg victory. I think if they do win, it will be quite a high scoring game, as it tends to be with Napoli. They usually score a couple themselves. Um, and Frankfurt at home in the Bundesliga have been really good in terms of chance creation. I think they've played all of the big boys at home already and their, their XG process at home is actually pretty good. 1.9 expected goals for, 1.18 against. So generally create quite a few chances when they're playing in the home base and BTTS and over two and a half was another player that I'd highlighted at around 1.91. So, um, you know, if you wanted to, you could put all that in a bet builder um, and you get a, an even bigger price. So yeah, a high scoring win for Napoli is, is where I was going with this one. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an interesting one, this, because Frankfurt, I know, pretty well I've seen them play really well against Bayern recently and they've got all the experience of winning the Europa League last season Oliver Glasner I think is a terrific coach I think we've seen that 
um, not just at Frankfurt, but at Wolfsburg as well. Rondal Kolomouani is probably one of the best forwards in the Bundesliga right now. Double figures for goals, double figures for assists. They've got the firepower. I guess the only concern is occasionally against the big hitters, they do crumble. If you look at what happened to them against Bayern on the opening night of the Bundesliga season, they got wiped out 6-1. So, it, you know, if Frankfurt play anywhere near what they're capable of, they can really give Napoli a game. But it's a big if. It is. I I think it's interesting. I think Mark O'Hare kind of highlighted this in our, in our um, Champions League preview. Just that the Napoli form in that group stage is, actually isn't as strong as we kind of thought it was, just in the sense that Ajax, Ajax were having their worst season in the Eredivisie for, that they've had in years. Rangers aren't aren't kind of a Champions League level team really, and Liverpool are having their okay. Liverpool aren't to the level we thought they were. Like, like um, Napoli's kind of hammering at Liverpool in 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 at home. Like again, doesn't look as good considering that Brighton and Wolves have battered Liverpool at home, and they, neither of them are Champions League contenders either. So it's kind of that's my only kind of hesitation. Probably would be with kind of backing Napoli here. And as you said, I do respect Eintracht. I think as well. But as you're saying, I do kind of respect that approach in the sense that sometimes in matches, you don't need to risk getting hammered to have a chance of winning. And I think Eintracht kind of will do that. That they'll, they'll turn it maybe into a high variance kind of game where it's pressing and it's maybe at times a basketball style. And obviously there's a chance that Napoli might come out on top. But I think like, but but but, but if, if things go their way, if Colo Mani has an outstanding game, maybe that maybe that maybe they could win the first like two one. And as you said, they'll, they'll take huge confidence from their cup record in the Europa League, in in, in 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 the German Cup this season, and kind of I just yeah just the evidence suggests that I think that'd be our first price, but I I just be I just be a little bit hesitant to back them. I just I'd like to see them back it up against the kind of a non Serie A opposition away from home. I, I'd like to see it before I'm kind of before I believe it. And then but the bet I like more is the is the goal line here. So over two and a half goals, I was surprised to see is around one eighty five. I think as 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 kind of Jake was saying. Like both these teams are extremely high scoring. Napoli are averaging nearly 2.5 goals per game by themselves in Serie A. Eintracht are averaging nearly two goals per game in Germany. You have two of, two of Europe's uh, most informed strikers in Colin Wani and, uh, and Osman. I think that's uh, 185 looked more than fair to me. Yeah, if you do go along with Jake and want to put them in a bet builder, Napoli to win. Both teams to score and over two and a half goals comes out at 3.64 right now. So that's a, a pretty decent price. Mark, how do you see this one? Because I don't know if I'm slightly biased towards Frankfurt because I cover them a lot in Germany, but they are ever such a dangerous team when they hit top gear. They are. And if my task on this show was to kind of make a case for Frankfurt to, to you know, as underdogs to, to win the first leg or even to qualify, you could make it. And you could make a quite convincing case too, because they, are, as you say, they are one of those teams when they turn it on, um, have had a bit of a pension for, for giving big teams a, a real run for their money. And they showed it in the Europa League last season that uh, as underdogs, they can perform over two legs. But um, yeah, for all I said about Napoli on the, on the outright uh, discussion uh, last week, um, I thought long and hard about this, but I've been seduced by the price here at 2.2. Um, I do think they are worth a bet. Um, 
just because they're injury free, uh, they've got basically a full squad available to them, where they're winning games consistently and winning games well. Um, they appear to be on the verge of something quite historic and that adds a, a huge amount of momentum and belief within the camp. And there's no immediate domestic pressure now on them either. They can focus on this tie. They basically have been Europe's most impressive team throughout the, the whole season so far. And I just look at the squad really and I remember talking to you, Kev, kind of off air before the season started, we must have been back in July or so. Um, Napoli lost all their big players through the summer and we were quite worried about their, yeah, their campaign. But between definitely. then and then the start of September, they did a, some incredible recruitment. Uh, Kim, for example, at centre-half, just been a complete colossus in defence. Osman has just been, a, as Emmett said a few weeks ago, one of the best centre-forwards in the game right now. Kavaric Scaly has been wondrous. Di Lorenzo has led by example. And Geese has been just titanic in the middle as well. And they've got so much in reserve as well. You look to their bench, they've got quality there. So the business they did was fantastic. But for Spalletti to put it all together so quickly, uh, it's just been quite incredible, really. So I, I've also got huge respect for Frankfurt. I'm well aware what they're capable of, not just Moani, but Lindstrom and Kamada and, and Goetze as well. But they are coming up across, coming up against a team who've won 25 of 29 games uh, across League and Champions League this season, which is remarkable. Um, they've already won at Roma, Milan, Lazio, Atalanta, was super impressive again at Sassuolo on Friday night in a tricky sort of trappy game. Um, so I think at 2.2, I'm happy to sort of take it, but I can see why it can be considered a bit of a trap too. So uh, like the guys, I like goals as well. So perhaps to sort of make that price a bit less trappy, you might want to chuck in BTTS, as you mentioned, and that's about what 3.65 for the Napoli to win in BTTS, which is, which is a nice price really considering their form line. There's something quite lovely in all this talk of state ownership and you have to spend hundreds of millions to be successful. Something really quite lovely about Luciano Spalletti just coaching really well, a club that has filled those gaps brilliantly. And Kvadat Scaly has kind of come from nowhere, really. And you know, ironically, somebody will throw hundreds of millions at him, I'm sure, uh, at some stage soon. Chelsea, I'm looking at you. Uh, let's move on to Wednesday then. Manchester City visited an RB Leipzig team that's in a far happier place than it was when the draw was made. City in the tight title race, as we've mentioned, in the Premier League. And Emmett, as a result of all that, not sure I'm having 1.81 to win the first leg in Germany. It might be a fair price. It's not an attractive price. Definitely not. Um, I think City are vulnerable here um, for to, to even to qualify from the tie. They played City have played Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham and Arsenal away from home this season. They've lost three or four of those games. Even against Arsenal, despite winning, I just didn't think they looked like the City of old at all. And... I think they're still being priced a bit in reputation. Man City have conceded tw- 26 goals in the Premier League over last season, over 38 games. They've conceded 24 goals already, and there's still 14 games left. Um, I think they're facing legit opposition here. Dominique Tedesco was sacked at the start of the season um, for Leipzig, but since Marco Rosa took over in that 16-game sample size, Leipzig are top of the Bundesliga since he's, since yeah. he's taken over, and they've good underlying numbers to back that up despite their superstar, Christopher and Kunku, not starting any of their last six matches. And Kunku came on as a sub at the weekend, so I think he probably will start or at least be kind of played maybe half an hour. I think they're depend- hopeful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, I think and just as in, like, he's an absolutely critical player, their top scorer, and probably clearly one of the, the best players in the in the German Bundesliga. I think, like, City are, City are the better team. They're definitely more likely to qualify. But I, I think they, like, Leipzig to me feel more like a 7-2 to two shot to qualify. 
rather than the current price current price of five to one. Um, one of the things I like about Leipzig is that a lot of the, I think the, the non-Bayern Munich German teams in recent years, they've kind of good young players, but they've no real kind of stars, I would say. Like maybe Jude Bellingham might be an example for Dortmund, but Leipzig have Christopher Nkunku, who Chelsea, who's joined the Chelsea kind of forward logjam for over £50 million this summer. And uh, and Hosco Guardiol, I think, will probably go for in in, in 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 around 100 million so i think you've two legit legitimate star players when, when you're looking for kind of a an underdog to kind of upset one of the kind of european giants i think you kind of you might need that i think having guardiol go against Haaland is something that i think is is kind of a really mouth mouthwatering matchup that I'm, that I'm looking forward to watching um, and yeah, he's so done I think, before yeah exactly exactly so i think it's exactly from his from his time in the bundesliga so it's i think it's kind of a I, I, I wouldn't put anyone off backing Leipzig in the first leg, drawing a bet and, and backing them to qualify. I think City are vulnerable here and, kind of, and still priced to better reputation. Yeah, Mark, Emmett's absolutely right about the star quality in terms of Nkunku and Gvardiol. There's a gap at goalkeeper because Peter Gulacci is injured and Yanis Blasvich, I think, is, is not up to the standard of a Champions League goalkeeper, but we'll see how that goes. But what I like about Leipzig in general is that there's a lot of good mid-range players. So yes, you've got stars within Kunku and Guardiol, but you've got guys like Andre Silva, who's been playing well. Soboslai's got eight Bundesliga assists. You've got, you know, guys like Lima in general, who are, you know, absolute machines in midfield. And I like Schlager as well. So there's depth there, isn't there? There is. Um yeah, I, I, I'm similar to Emmett, really. I was looking, really looking forward to this matchup because I don't believe it's a, a foregone conclusion as the market does at all. Um, I wanted to be pro-Leipzig. Um, I thought they were the better team home and away against Real Madrid in the group stages. Um, they have had a couple of hiccups in, in 2023 and particularly their sort of chance creation or, or goal conversion has slowed a little bit. But, um, you know, they've tried to sort of... Uh, to change system to a, to a three-man defence at one point and obviously lost to Union uh, last week, um, but then returned to the 4-2-3-1 and were super impressive against Wolfsburg on Saturday, winning that match 3-0, created tons of chances, scored goals fluently, obviously getting Nkunku back on the field is a, a massive bonus off the bench. But yeah, I like the blend that they've got in that squad, uh, particularly in sort of midfield where you've got a couple of workhorses, but going forward, there's such a, a variety of, of weapons to hurt you with, with, as you say, Andre Silva, Timo Werner, Wolfsburg, Schobersly, um, just you know, there's finishing ability, there's pace, there's precision, there's creativity, set piece threats, threats from long distance. Uh, I'm unsure of, of Danny Olmo's availability. Working on the assumption he's, he's unavailable, but yeah, I think still... he is still struggling. Yeah, that's, but that's what the latest indication was. Even with those four, um, you've got just such ability there to, to cause City problems. And even David Rahm as well from fullback or, or wingback kind of bombing forward. Uh, it's Leipzig score goals. They create chances, especially at home. I'd be very surprised if they can't sort of breach this Man City backline uh, and contribute. Um, you know, they've been scoring freely anyway, but that's kind of increased under Marco Rosa. And, but as you say, you know, Galassi, I think, is a, is a blow not having him between the sticks. Clean sheets aren't the most common occurrence for Leipzig at the best of times. And uh, if you look at their group stage, I know it's played under different dynamics, but um, their matches were great fun. Four of six went over three and a half goals. Uh, all six featured at least two goals. Uh, and the matches against Real Madrid were just great fun with really high XG figures as well. Uh, and actually, they played City last season in group stage games. Uh, lost 6-3 uh, at the Etihad, but 1-2-1. I know City had already qualified. But again, just really open, exciting matches. And I think Leipzig will play front foot football here to try and hurt City, particularly at home. Uh, and that's why I like the goal line, actually. Again, uh, the guys liked it in the last match. I like it in this game. 
over two and a half goals at 176. It's very rare you get that kind of goal line in a Leipzig or Man City match domestically. So happy to attack it here. Uh, we know all about City, um, their strengths, their weaknesses. They were given two tough workouts by Dortmund in the group, group phase. They've actually failed to win half of their away Premier League games this season. Uh, and they've only... Um, Won twice away at teams in top in the top 14 of the Premier League and kept one clean sheet in that eight-game sample as well. So they've not been performing or winning matches away at the best, team, best teams domestically. So um, I would not be touching them at odds on. Uh, I'd be quite happy to sort of join Emmett with Leipzig, draw no bet. But uh, my favourite bet here would be over two and a half goals because I think Leipzig score. I don't think they can. I don't think they can keep City out regardless. And then you're just looking for a third goal from either team to to get over the line. Uh, worth bearing in mind as well that Nkunku got a hat-trick in that 6-3 defeat, I think, uh, against City. So he has had joy against them before. Jake, is that a full house or are you on the City train? I know it's a full house of kind of not so much anti-City, but a little bit pro-Leipzig in the sense of that the, they're, they're the value in this tie. Um, I think, like Emmett said, to qualify, I think it's worth maybe a few quid on, on Leipzig to qualify. I think you get that artificially short price on City to qualify just because it's City and then the tournament favourites. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously, you know, Leipzig are, you know, the market's kind of disrespecting them a little bit, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a really competitive game. You know, I'll just do a little bit of kind of pro City. Um, just, well, my, my bet is goals, the same as what Mark's come out with. But um, yeah, City, they've not been, you know, miraculous since the restart had it. They've looked a little bit flawed, but one thing has been consistent, and that is that they have been creating a lot of chances. Um, they've played six away matches since the restart, and they've averaged 2.2 expected goals for per game. So in attack, they've got no problems whatsoever creating. It's just at the other end, they look... Is that in line with what they'd normally do? Because obviously we've talked about City being a little bit below what we expect. What would you... When City have dominated the Premier League, what what kind of figures would they put up away from home? Yeah, so if you go from Pep's, um, well, Pep's reign, was it five, six years? Generally, we'd look at an average of between 2.1 and 2.4 expected goals for right. per game. So it's right up home. there then. Um, so they're, they're banging that range. It's just the defence, which is is nowhere near. Um, usually we'd see away from home around between 0.8 and 1. Um, expected goals against per game when they're travelling. We're at 1.2 at the moment um, and they have been since the restart. So they're, they're created in a similar line, kind of vein as what they usually are. It's just at the other end where they're shipping more chances, more better chances. And, and ultimately, one of the big issues they've got is that Edison's having a bad year. Um, he's he's math, he's underperforming his, his post-show XG metrics, which is it's not something that he's historically been brilliant at. He's not like a, an Allison kind of level where you can yeah. kind of count on him to overperform by four or five goals every single year. And he's not been at a David De Gea kind of level where two seasons out of four, he'll overperform by eight or 10 goals. Um, he's generally quite a middle middle of the pack uh, shot stopper. This year, he's, he's down on average. So he's conceded around oh, just over four um, goals more than what would have been expected based on the shots that he's faced. So that's a little bit of a, a concern, um, particularly as they're facing, you know, better quality shots on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, there's the pro city is very much that they will probably score here. They might score a couple um, because their attack is, is you know, it's it's not really Mr. Beat, but defensively they should leave themselves um, a, a little bit exposed and Leipzig can create chances. So, yeah, I, I like the goals angle. I think, Mark, did you say over two and a half? I think I just throw BTTS in as well, just to round the price a little bit to 1.9, because I think that both teams to score is... Um, 
it's around the same price as the overs, but if you got, if you, I can't see it finishing one-one. Let me just say that I think it, it, both teams are scoring. Then it could be a two-two. It could be a three-two kind of game. This one, I think, it could be end-to-end. And depending on how Leipzig approach it, you know, they might play with quite a high line, which could, would be really interesting to see because we like we like Vardiol as a centre half, but we've not seen Haaland have a lot of space to exploit him behind regularly. So it'd be interesting to see how that matchup actually goes from a. You know whether whether Leipzig do try and squeeze and win the ball high up the pitch, which a lot of teams have had success with against Man City of late. He's waiting for those transitional moments, but it's whether City's players actually find him with those passes because in recent weeks he's been making a lot of runs in behind he's just being ignored uh, by his teammates this football season get a helping hand with betfair's popular bet builder easily add our most popular or fan favorite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap t's and c's in the description 18 plus see gambleaware.org and finally the most glamorous of the ties in the champions league it's inter against porto i say this in a way, but actually it's very interesting because these two Inter much sharper since the turn of the year. Porto are always a nightmare unless they play Liverpool uh, to play against. Mark, this is really intriguing, isn't it? Because the market favours Inter, but frankly Porto are a pain in the ass for a lot of teams, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you summed it up nicely. I, I came into this match thinking I wouldn't get I wasn't going to have a view or a strong view but the prices have almost made me forced me into having a, a strong view in this match because you know I was slightly surprised to see into chalked up as, as odds on 1.85 to win this match and as we always say if the market rated these two teams equal a home team would tend to be around 2.25 2.3 with home advantage included um I may go into slight favourites over two legs to qualify, but not significant favourites. So you kind of take the 1.85 to 2.25. That's quite a reasonable difference. And and therefore, you know, I think there's reason to oppose Inter at those prices. Um, I also thought Anders has a good chance in this first leg. And, you know, if you feel there's likely to be few goals, that tends to increase the likelihood of a draw or even the possibility of an underdog pulling off a, a positive result and, and a win. So uh, hence my selection to, to back Porto here, plus half a goal on the Asian handicap at 2.16. Um, I think they've shown real resolve and character in this competition already this season. Losing their first two games, pretty unfortunate. The first one at Atletico Madrid, then the, the 4-0 thumping by Brugger. But they just roared back into contention, showcased the quality that we know that they've got. It um, wasn't the strongest group, of course, but they're, they're a very experienced squad. Um, they're very experienced at this level. Their form since the autumn has been superb, both domestically and in Europe. Um, they won a domestic cup competition not long ago against Sporting, uh, very convincingly too as well. Um, they're a dogged bunch, as you say, and they're led by a head coach in Sergio Conceição, who uh, I just rate really highly. And I'm, I'm kind of waiting for him to sort of make the breakthrough to uh, one of the big clubs in Europe's big leagues because um, it's a job audition destined. for Italy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He keeps getting so. linked with Lazio. Keeps getting linked yeah. with Inter. Obviously, Sarri's doing well there, and Inzaghi's doing all right at Inter. But if either of those start to wobble. Or even yeah. Milan, maybe. You know, yeah. you can see him going to Italy, can't you? Yeah, 100%. Former clubs as well, obviously showing a bit of interest in him. Yeah, you're right. Inter have been the, the second best team in Italy. Um, I think they are. I think that's pretty much uh, common knowledge now. Um, a good weekend win against the tricky Udinese side. Lukaku back amongst the goals. Mkhitaryan playing well. Brozovic back as well. Inzaghi has got options. Rotated his team a bit. At San Siro, they tend to be pretty strong operators. But... Um, you know, you can kind of look back to what they did in the group phase and obviously the results against Barcelona really stood out. But I think 
Porto just aren't going to give them that sort of same tactical freedom uh, and play in that same same sort of loose manner. So um, fully expecting this to be tight, feisty, ugly, competitive, everything that Porto want in a match. And uh, if they get their wishes, I I believe they can get something out of this match. So just based on the prices, uh, Inter, I do believe, are the strongest suit. But are they a 1.85 shot at home? I'm I'm not so sure. So 2.16 on Porto plus half a goal uh, to stand out to me as the best bet. Yeah, Jake, if Conte Sao gets his way, this would be a horrible scrap, won't it? It will, yeah. Um, that was going to be my angle, was looking at potential cards, but uh, we've not got anything priced up just yet. Pepe, he's probably going to play. We know that he loves a card, um, a wrestling match, probably with whoever plays up front, whether it be Lukaku or Dzeko. Um, Yeah, it's hard to disagree with anything Mark said in terms of the kind of match prices. I do think Inter are a touch short. Um, Porto have shown, like, like he said, the way in which they started the group stage tournament to finish top of the group was pretty remarkable. And um, the performances that they put in and that, those last four games were really impressive. They, they won the XG battle in all four. They created loads of good chances on a winning run as well um, in the in the Portuguese league. Yeah, they're definitely one to, to keep an eye on if you're looking for a bit of an underdog, um, an upset. Uh, something they've done in recent years against Italian opposition. Was it a couple of years ago they knocked Juventus out? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, they're more than capable of of causing what would be seen as, a, as an upset. Um, but I've, in this actual match, I've got no bet. I, I just, I think that, you know, if, if I was to lean, it would be Porto on the handicap. But um, Inter are one of those teams that are a little bit unpredictable. Their home form is really good. Um, they, they generally don't concede many chances when they play at home. Um, so it, may, it could be one of those that goes on the uh, the under, which obviously would bring kind of a, a Porto on the handicap into play. It's interesting this, Emmett, because if you look at Inter, obviously Antonio Conte won the Scudetto with them and then flounced out when he realised that half the stars were going to get sold. And Simone Inzaghi came in. He'd pound for pound done, I don't want to go all Nathan Jones about it, but pound for pound he'd done really, really well uh, with Lazio. And he has won things. He has won trophies. You know, they smashed Milan in the in the Super Cup. Uh, they're well-placed to win the Coppa Italia again. Uh, you know, they are a cup team, aren't they, really? Yeah, I, I, I kind of, to me, I, w- I was thinking about this yesterday in terms of the big difference between the kind of Conte inter team and the Inzaghi. I don't think it's necessarily Inzaghi. It's just the form of the... It's it's Romelu Lukaku is the issue I think if you yeah. look at because when when that inter team were purring under Conte they like said, very few teams in Europe now have a proper strike partnership but 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 Lukaku and Martinez were that that their link play was absolutely outstanding like Lukaku's assist numbers when he was at Man United I remember in his last season he might have maybe one assist zero assists and he when he went up I think maybe close to double figures when he was with Martinez like Conte really unlocked. I felt like unlocked Lukaku and then they, he was really playing as a complete centre forward before Chelsea banging in kind of over 20 goals a season in Serie A and just just I don't know I don't know whether he's on the slide Lukaku because obviously like even though he's, he's 29 he's been playing I think he was like top scorer in the Belgian league when he was 16 so he has oh yeah he's played for yeah, a long time yeah he's playing time. for a long time so long in, time. It, it might be one of these things where maybe he he kind of um, his his career kind of the declines at kind of an earlier age than that a player who maybe broke into a team at 19 or 20. 
but I kind of I, I but I haven't but I wouldn't write off the kind of possibility of him maybe coming back to the form he's shown in years past because I do think and I, I I do think if Inter to be kind of a live dog at the, in this tournament they'll need that because I don't think Ed and Jacko thirty six is really a player who you can kind of who are kind of a Champions League contender will, will be playing. Careful, people have been writing off Jacko for years all the way back to two thousand and nine when he was banging him in for Wolfsburg. I know, I know, but it's just, it's just, in terms of ceiling, like, I don't think Jack yeah. has, like, he's seven goals, whatever he's got this season. I just, I just think, I think the Lukaku ceiling is what you got to hope for an Inter fan yeah. and hope that he's better than the two goals in the Serie A, in 11 Serie A matches. I wouldn't have a massively strong view in this game, kind of like Jake. I was just thinking if you're doing a bet builder, the one I liked, just, I, I could have think Porter maybe your small value, but I'd prefer to maybe back them with Medi Tarimi to score any time at three to one. He scored five goals in the Champions League in, in five, five group stage matches, group stage matches. He's scored 11 goals the Portuguese league he's got a joint second top goal scorer there so I think the three to one looked a fair price for me now, that seems a very big price for a player of his quality who's been scoring goals season in season out not just in domestic football but in Europe as well and of course he looked decent for Iran uh, at the World Cup as well in the Europa League that was fun, wasn't it? Manchester United going to Camp Nou and playing out a 2-2 draw against Barcelona. United, the 2.46 favourites to win the second leg here. Jake, what's the angle? Because Eric Ten Hag has done a brilliant job. We know that. I think our fear in the summer was, was he going to get the authority needed from the club to actually do what was necessary? And he has. And he's done a, a, an absolutely superb job. Barcelona, this comes down to how good Barcelona is, doesn't it? Um, it, it does, yeah. Um, I think the fact that they're missing a couple of key players, Barcelona, could be a bit of an issue for them. Um, obviously, Casemiro is well-rested again. He's he, Obviously, his suspension in, in the English games means that he's fully fit for these two ties. Um, yeah, I think this is a really... It could be another explosive game. Um, because I think that both teams, the best form of defence is attack, effectively. Um, I think they'll both be looking to hurt each other in transitions, in counter-attacks. In, you know, I just think they're two very attack-minded teams. And, and I was usually surprised, with goals in mind, to see that you can actually back Marcus Rashford, the guy who scored 10 times, or scored in 10 of his 11 games since the restart, that's Premier League and, and Europa League. He's 9-5 to five to score any time here. Jake, he was 2.5 at the weekend against Leicester. I wrote the preview for betting.betfair.com and I nearly fell off the chair. He was 2.5 to score at any time and obviously that that cashed. Um, and it was only a Leicester goal away from the bet builder as well, you foolish foxes. But there we go. Never mind. Carry on. <laughs> I think they did us both. I was on the same Rashford at any time and, uh, yeah. and Man United both teams to score. So, yeah, it's um, it's bizarre to me to see 9-5. to five. We've seen he's he's effectively... Probably him and Osimhen are the two most informed players in Europe right now uh, from a goal-scoring standpoint. He's, as I said, he scored in 10 of 11 Premier League and Europa League matches. His XG for 95 is at 0.58, which is, wow. you know, for a player that plays predominantly as a left winger, is, you know, really impressed. Um, and a player that plays in a very competitive league, no disrespect to, you know, like France Ligue 1, where Mbappe averages around one expected goal per 95 minutes, um, you know, Rashford, this is this is un- uncharted territory for him. Um, and a, it, it, I just think it's going to continue because he just looks so comfortable when he gets through on goal. Um, and the fact that he is averaging that kind of figure just tells us that generally he gets on the end of at least two decent chances per game. Um, 
And with goals expected in this match, again, um, the way in which United have been attacking at home, uh, they, I think it was four over four XG at the weekend against Leicester. And obviously, Barca are a better defensive unit than Leicester. But um, you know, we're starting to see United really find a groove at Old Trafford. Um, you know, they're winning a lot of football matches. I think they've not lost at home um, since Sociedad beat them. And that was kind of way, way, way back there in like October time. And, and that was a really still, dodgy penalty as well, I seem to remember. It was a dodgy penalty. It was it was early in the reign um, of Ten Hag. Uh, it was kind of one of those games that it looked like a trap game, looked like a potential banana skin. Um, they were still finding the feet. They're really motoring at the moment. And I think that the options that they've got off the bench as well will only help this bet because you've got creative um, players that can come on and, and change games. You know, we saw Sancho again at the weekend come off the bench, um, score a goal, looks really tidy in that 10 position. Um, and yeah, you know, you've got you've got even more options as well. You've got Ganacho who's probably going to be off the bench again. Um so, yeah, I think we're going to see an entertaining game again. I think there's going to be plenty of goals. And, and that price on Rashford is just too big to pass up. Like, for example, Anthony Martial's price shorter than him. Um, and the chances of him starting seem extremely slim. Also, he's not very good. But there we go. Uh, I know that's not very... Oh, he's not. I mean, I know... The, the thing about him is I know it's the injuries and, you know, he's unfortunate and blah, blah, blah. But I'm I'm just not sure he's that great anyway, to be honest. Emmett is nodding away. Uh, and let's go to Emmett, actually, because you're the perfect guy to talk to about this. Because we when I was relentlessly banging the Nkunku drum and he was... Um, odds against score almost every week in the Bundesliga and it was cashing most weeks you kind of thought well why and I think it's that thing isn't it that he isn't seen as a centre forward he's seen as a wide player that moved into the middle and then it's that evolution is that why Rashford's still being priced at things like 2.5 and and the price that Jake just mentioned yeah it's as well the kind of it's the historical numbers as well that something goes into like it's kind of that's something that's sometimes hard with goal score betting is that like Rashford's been world class for two months but but but, but before like the, the numbers he had wouldn't even be anything close to close that so how do you weigh up the kind of the relatively small sample size of two months versus his kind of historical numbers but is that where betters can get a jump on it because if you if you see a trend and you think well this this dude's scoring almost every week that's that's the sweet spot isn't it because we had it with Nkunku uh, we've had it with other players in the Bundesliga. Jamal Musiala was one, was scored in like about eight out of ten. The, yeah, the Musiala megaphone. Um, you know, if you can get a jump on that, then that's the way to go for betters, isn't it? I, I, I would definitely agree to be honest. Yeah, that that, that price that Jake tipped up, I would say won't last. It won't last too too much longer. But like the yeah, I think I think this, that's that's probably that's definitely too big. I think, as you said, I think with goal score betting. Ideally, you want to be exactly the like a lot of the players that are that are listed in the markets generally maybe won't, won't be a brilliant price. But I think the those strikers that are in form, or even better, as you said, the kind of the wide forwards, which are maybe priced like a winger and are kind of in form and are kind of playing in a kind of a effectively a kind of a, a wide striker role for their club. I think that's the and, and are in kind of red hot form. That's the, the they'd be the guys I'd. Uh, I'd definitely be looking at. Um, I'm actually into actually going to this game. You know, I'd be Barcelona, so I'm very excited. I think I'm trying. We're going to have to boots on the ground, people. We're going to have an actual correspondent at the yeah. ground. Wonderful. I'm trying. I'm trying not to get too kind of caught up in, in, in the hype, but 
like Eric Tenag is, is just doing an absolutely incredible job at my night. It's it's the, the other way I can say it. Like I think what's interesting, I think about managers is he's a really good one. He can raise the kind of transfer value of a player. Like I'd say he's added maybe nearly he's added a few maybe a few hundred million to the Man United squad's transfer value this season if you look at Marcus Rashford there's a fair chance he would have gone on a free next summer if 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 kind of Raf Rannick had stayed on or Solskjaer he's gone from like and now like if Man United if Man United were to sell him in the summer it, 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 it would be a, it would be a th- pretty three-figure price tag like the again like the players like J- Jaden Sancho like, I know it's only one game you can't read too much into it but like it was just great to see him playing with a bit of joy and a real confidence and yeah. like Again, but also I mean, combinations. I mean, this is the thing. I think it's almost like people didn't really understand what Jaden was. They, they thought he was coming in as some kind of trickster who would kind of weave past about seven plays. He's never been that guy. He's a combinations guy, little one-twos with the fullbacks, all that stuff. But he was trying to play one-twos with Wan-Bissaka and it just, no, no, this is not going to work. But him in the middle with lots of players around him, that could work brilliantly. You, you've nailed it there, Kevin, in the sense that, like, the, the players like that, I think it's kind of, it's something that maybe clubs may need to look at as well more. They're players that are kind of, they're structured, the offense players, in the sense that, like, they have to be in a kind of a well-organized system yeah. that kind of brings out their strengths. Like, say, if you drop Bakayo Saka into any team in the world, I think he'd probably be decent because he can beat his man one-on-one and, and kind of go from there. But the players who necessarily can't do that, they need the structure around them to, to be right, which might not have might not have have at the moment. And you're kind of seeing, again, I go back to the start of the season, I thought Diogo Dalla was kind of a, maybe a, a mid-table Premier League level player at best. Like he, and he, he, he's given us good football. Again, Wan-Bissaka looked like he was out of the club last summer. He, he's even playing re, like competent football, I would say. Like we're seeing the best, <laughs> damning with faint praise there. We're kind of, we're, we're seeing the best versions of a lot of, of, a lot of players with, with kind of United this season. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of really promising to see for this game as well. Specifically, I was really unimpressed at Barcelona on the first leg. Like they conceded one goal in La Liga this season. United were kind of tearing them apart at times. Like they're, they're, they they had no answer, for, no answer for Rashford in the counter-attack. United kind of edged them on the XG, but I feel like United kind of, they kind of they kind of sat back in the last twenty minutes and didn't really attack. And I think if they go for Barcelona, which I expect them to do, I th- I can see them I, I can see them potentially even winning comfortably. I think it's I I just especially without Pedri and Gavi, I think like the the, the like it's Barcelona won't have that have that control in midfield. And I I I just think in what should be kind of a red hat atmosphere. And it, and what feel, it feels to me like this game might be a bit like that um, that tie when Liverpool beat Borussia Dortmund in 2016, and when it kind of means means a bit more than just the win. It feels like one of the kind of the a big European club potentially getting back on track and getting kind of a kind of a yeah. signature win. Like that, if you look at that, that Dortmund team in 2016, had your like Aubameyang at his palm. Oh, it was a great Mark, team. Mark, yeah, it was a great. Mark team. Roy, Gundogan on the bench, Mats Hummels, like a really really top 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 footballer. So kind of. Quite Quite hopeful. I think United look, United look fair enough at five to four. And yeah, if you want to boost that, the kind of United win Rashford, Rashford any time looks more than fair to me. Somebody runs onto the pitch and bear hugs Eric Ten Hag after they beat Barcelona. You'll know who it is. Mark, how do you see this one? Uh, very similar to what the guys have already said. Um, the, the first leg was was great fun. Man United were the better team. Uh, had 15 shots in the box actually at the Camp Nou, and 
thought they were a real threat, not just from open play, but also set pieces as well. So they should feel really confident, actually. And we sort of touched and highlighted the fact that Barcelona were, we felt were too short going into that first leg tie. So I think the same can be said again. Uh, I wouldn't be touching Barca at the prices. United about 2.42 in the exchange, which is quite appealing, actually, considering those uh, injury and suspension issues for, for Barcelona. Um you know, Barca went into the first leg of Marcus Alonso at centre half. If they do that again, you know, Rashford's going to have a bit of a field day. So, uh, the only off-putting thing I think for United, um, and my own opinion is it, it won't matter because Ten Hag will field a strong team regardless. But just cup final on the horizon on Sunday. But he is so determined to just pick up as many trophies as possible. I don't see United taking their eye off the occasion on Thursday night. I think they will go with a strong side and try and win this match and qualify. But yeah, my best bet was the same as Jake's. Uh, 2.8 on Marcus Rashford, Rashford to score any time. Just stands out like Wild. a sore thumb, really. Um, he, uh, when he's played 30 minutes or more, he's made 16 appearances across all competitions. Uh, and he scored in 14 of those since the World Cup, which is just <laughs> crazy stuff. Yeah. At Old Trafford, when he's played 30 minutes or more, he's made 18 appearances this season. He scored in 14 of those. Um, and I think, as United showed in the Camp Nou, that Barcelona's defence is not as good as their La Liga clean sheet record suggests. Uh, Cadiz showed that at the weekend as well. They had two goals disallowed, hit the woodwork twice. Ter Stegen called into action again. He has been kind of superman for them defensively. And, you know, I think La Liga this season has dropped in quality um, across the board, really. Uh, and that's reflected in kind of also the, the XG numbers that Barca's op- opponents are putting up. You know, they are creating opportunities against this team. They're just not putting them away. And Ter Stegen is a contributing factor, but also just poor finishing as well has to be considered there too. So United, uh, as we've talked about now week on week, uh, if you exclude those first two humiliating defeats against Brighton and Brentford this season in the Premier League, will be right up there in terms of points earned and uh, expected points, etc. So um, you have to take them seriously as one of the Premier League's sort of strongest forces right now. Uh, the Premier League is undoubtedly a stronger suit than the La Liga is right now. So, um, yeah, I think the fact that United are 2.42 is, is a big price. But um, the man at the moment, 2.8 on Rashford to score, is, is, out, is just outstanding value. Yeah, even odds against, he would be outstanding value. So 2.8 is uh, very attractive indeed. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so popular. It would even make Roy Keane smile. But if we managed a 100-1 to one winner, he'd probably tell us that we were just doing the jobs we were paid for. Uh, how it works is that each of the guys has a selection ahead of the European action in this case. And lovely traders like Emmett wrap it up in a boosted treble. And Emmett... I will actually start with you. Yeah, for the kind of reasons I said earlier, I'll go with over over two and a half goals in Eintracht for Napoli should be a high-scoring game. Uh, Jake? Um, I will take BTTS in Leipzig Man City. And Mark, take us home. Just because I described it as outstanding value, um, we'll put Marcus Rashford to score in at any time as well. Should both Damn right. that treble really nicely. Uh, some uh, nice, nice wages there. I was hoping one of you were going to put him in. I think I would have done if you hadn't done. We would have made it a podcast quadruple. But there we go. Uh, That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Later this week, of course, we'll be back with the best tips for the Premier League and beyond. Lots of other good shows on the Betfair network as well, including the Cheltenham Rawcast ahead of the Cheltenham Festival. From Jake, from Emmett, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now. 